0: Today is Tuesday, September 27th, 2022. This is Quickstar from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The FBI responds about their raid on a Christian pro-lifer. We'll have that story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. If you agree with that mission, subscribe. Give us a rating. Share it with your friends. Let them know you're one of the cool kids who are going through the news of the cray every day uh, with us. And joining me as always, Tregon's Phillips, Billy Halliwell from CBN's FaithWire. What's going on, guys? Happy Tuesday! Living the dream. It's Tuesday. Another great it's week. Already, already Tuesday. It's already Tuesday. Man. Billy, that intro sounded to me like you were trying to pep talk yourself out of whatever the stock market is doing right
1: now. No, I'm, I'm already. <laughs> no. I'm already twelve. I'm already twelve cups of coffee in. I'm feeling great. Right. Render, I'm good.
0: Under, render under Caesar. What is Caesar's? We're not worried about money, <clears throat> or so we try to claim. So uh, <laughs> anyway. A lot coming up on the podcast today. Uh, Billy Elvis' faith, this is something that uh, you've been diving into.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It really is. It, it makes you think a lot different about somebody when you hear another side of them. Yeah,
0: interested to hear more about that. And coming up on the main thing, Christian nationalism, defining it, is it really a thing? Is it as big as some make it out to be? Is it only on the right? Well, Dr. Michael Brown joins us today to talk about it. Uh, that's on the main thing. But first, we're going to go through the news uh, in 90 seconds. It's quite a sight to see a group of cattle arriving at Israel's busy Ben Gurion Airport and a recent delivery of 5 red heifers from Texas to Israel is causing quite a stir. Talks growing that their arrival is prophetic. You can read more about that over at cbnnews.com and the latest on Hurricane Ivan, it's currently barreling towards western Cuba. And it's expected to reach Florida's West Coast later this week. Ian, could be, quote, something that we haven't seen in our lifetime, according to the National Weather Service. And an update on that FBI raid story from yesterday. The FBI has responded only to say that, no, there was no SWAT there, as some outlets claimed. And they said the number of agents widely reported on the arrest site was, quote, overstated. They did not deny that guns were used or that there were a high number of agents there. They simply uh, added those two details to the report. So you can read more about the latest on that over on CBN News and FaithWire.com. So, guys, this uh, the, the plot just continues to thicken on this FBI raid story. And, you know, we're still waiting to find out confirmation on a lot of the facts of this case. And I found it interesting that the FBI's responses to us were mainly they seemed almost a little evasive and just kind of trying to point out a misrepresentation in the media that were well, if if it's true SWAT wasn't there that's fine but that was a minor part. The, the bigger complaint of the story is that there was such force used over such a seemingly minor infraction and they seem to be dancing around those facts.
1: Yeah, this seems like a thing where one or two people show up to knock on a door gently and say, hey, we might need to take you into custody. There's been an issue or whatever. Whether right. we agree with that or not, it doesn't seem like a thing. I don't care if it's two, I don't care if it's three, five, 10, 20, whatever the number is, where you'd need that many people. I mean, you're not storming a compound. You're going to a innocent man nice man's home from what we know mm. <laughs> so. i mean it, you know, a new day and a new amount of confusion i think is, <laughs> is kind
0: of uh, how this story is evolving so far i did think that the statement that the fbi gave to uh, fox news in addition to the one they gave us was particularly funny because like no it was it's an exaggeration to say that 25 people showed up it was 15 to 20. So i'm like <laughs> no, big exaggeration so much, big. so much better Right. So much better. And there's still unanswered questions like, why did they pick this case back up in the first place? It just doesn't seem like it rises to the level of something that really needs to be prosecuted. It'll be interesting to see as we learn more about this story. And we will continue to report on it over at CBN News and Faithwire.com. Well, not many people realize that Elvis was actually a person of faith. So, Billy... Why is this not as commonly known of a fact? And what'd you learn?
1: you know, everything about Elvis Presley is sort of bombastic and wild. I mean, his career was wild. He was very well known. There was a lot of controversy around him. Obviously the bigger headlines are what made news and what people knew of him. And then his untimely death at the age of 42 in 1977. Right. So you have all those factors and that's really where people focus. And yet you have a guy, according to his family, we sat down with Billy Stanley, his uh, stepbrother. Elvis was a man who had deep faith according to him, but you never would have, known that based on what we saw. So I think a lot of sort of the glitz and glamour of Elvis and maybe even some of the bad decisions or the claims of bad decisions overshadowed almost every other facet of his life.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and of course as well, I mean, we remember that he's famous for the big hip shaking move. Remember he was getting censored on television for moves now that people would laugh that they thought that that was... Controversial, But what did his brother tell you about his faith?
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Now, his brother, there were a number of stepbrothers and Billy was one of them. They all worked on his tour with him, or at least a number of them did, including Billy. Um, Billy's job, one of his jobs, was to carry Elvis's Bible around. He brought the Bible to make sure it was always with him. So everywhere he went, Elvis had this Bible. Um, and He talked about seeing him praying constantly, that he read his Bible every single day. And we had a really candid conversation about, you know, The the difficulties of fame, the fact that he had sort of the devil on one shoulder and, you know, got an angel or God on the other, that there was that struggle of the things that normal people who are famous go through. And we obviously know that from Elvis's life. But, um, you know, this is a man who, according to Billy Stanley, gave of himself like crazy. um, And in addition to that, again, lived his faith out day in and day out, which, again, is not something I ever would have thought about Elvis.
0: Why do you think this story matters, Billy? I mean, I, you know, obviously Elvis gone for some time now. Uh, what do you think is the uh, sort of the critical thing that people need to know about, you know, why why his faith is uh, important?
1: You know, I think that a lot of people might dismiss a story like this and say, oh, who cares? Or, you know, they might say, well, Elvis did this or that, or, you know, he died the way he died. And they have all these preconceived, you know, judgments and notions. I think the big point is that we're not one-dimensional people. And when you're a famous person who lives under a microscope like that, you know, the public assumes they know everything, but they, they might not. And so I think sort of withholding some judgment, um, but also understanding that, I mean, this is a person, when we talk about the giving nature of Elvis, his brother gave numerous examples and actually he started crying, talking about one of the examples of seeing his brother give to others. He said he was the most generous giver again that he ever knew. And so that really stuck out to me because I think we have, have to be fair and understanding that the stories we assume we know about people we were missing pieces of it and based on what Billy told us there were big pieces of who Elvis was I mean just a quick thing a woman's house burned down around Christmas one year she lost everything she fled with her kids and Elvis heard about it on the news sent one of his people out to get an apartment pay for six months rent fill that apartment with stuff and never wanted glory for it never let this person know that he was the person who did that Mm. and gave these people a home so anyway I just think we have to know that people's stories are deeper than we might assume
0: yeah that's fantastic thanks for uh, bringing it to us today on the podcast and uh that leads us into the main thing in christian nationalism a big topic you hear a lot about it on social media and uh what's the real deal with it what does it really mean because i think a lot of people put their own definitions on it well dr michael brown joins us today to give some perspective on that uh, and more on today's main thing
1: Dr. Michael Brown is one of the most well-known apologists of the day, and he's out with a new book called The Political Seduction of the Church. I sat down with him today to talk about a number of issues, including, but not limited to, Christian nationalism. What is it? What does it mean? And what do Christians need to know about it? Here is Dr. Michael Brown. What is Christian
2: nationalism? So the answer to that is it depends on who you ask. Let's just say that there's a healthy Christian nationalism, there's an unhealthy Christian nationalism, and there's the, the boogeyman Christian nationalism that the left has kind of exaggerated. So a healthy Christian nationalism would be, I love Jesus and I love my country. Our country has strong Christian roots. Let's recover those because that's in the best interest of the country. I don't find a contradiction between loving America and being a Christian. So that would be the, the healthy form. And, and the way many Americans looked at us in the pay, hey, we're a Christian nation, right? When President Obama a few years ago said we're no longer a Christian nation, there was an uproar over that. It depends on what's meant by it. Unhealthy Christian nationalism, and that's what I write against in the political seduction book, is the merging of American identity with Christian identity is the idea that America is kind of like ancient Israel with a special covenant with God, and therefore we must be Christian, that it's a certain destiny. Uh, and that with that, you want to make Christianity the religion of the nation, basically, and then say that we have to lead the nation as Christians and then impose our values on the nation. It, it, it blurs certain lines and can become dangerous. The Christian nationalism that the left keeps talking about in the media is often highly exaggerated. It's as if all of us who pray for America, or all of us who are politically involved or all of us who voted for Donald Trump are somehow part of a plot to take over the nation and impose a theocracy run by religious leaders on the country. That's the exaggerated form. But I am personally concerned that there is the blurring of politics with the gospel that there's the wrapping the gospel in the American flag, that, that MAGA, make America great again, also means let Christianity rule America again, because that's one and the same. So when the things get blurred, the kingdom of God gets too mingled with the kingdom of the world. That's a concern.
1: Yeah. And and I think that you broke that down in those three camps so well. and, And those are all very true. I think the question a lot of people have, and this is the struggle, right, on the first and the second group, you know, where is that line between, you know, and feel free to correct me on any of this, but loving the country, you're a Christian first, you love the country, you want to see America honor God by having policies that would do that, while also at the same time not impeding anybody else's right not to believe in those policies. It's a tough line I think. So where is that where does that line sort of end for that first group? And, and in specific terms, I think the Supreme Court, you know, we're seeing a lot of claims about the Supreme Court being a Christian nationalist Supreme Court. So I thought I would throw that out there and just let you respond.
2: Right. So when it comes to the Supreme Court, each side looks at it differently. When, when the Supreme Court goes to the left, we say it's an activist court and it's left the Constitution. When it goes to the right, people say it's a theocratic court, the Christian National Court. So we have our rhetoric on both sides. Remember that both Republicans and Democrats are saying that the next elections will decide whether America is going to be a democratic country. So each side is, is demonizing the other, although absolutely I prefer the Republican policies to the Democrat policies. But in short, it comes to this. The moment we forget that America is a fallen nation like every other nation, and that the church is God's people in the midst of the nation and the midst of all nations, the moment we forget that and think of America as somehow equaling the kingdom of God, or that God will uniquely back America because America is, quote, a Christian nation, that's where we lose our perspective. The moment we think, well, we have Christian values— And if we can get elected, then we can pass laws that reflect these Christian values. We miss the fact that when it comes to values for a secular nation or just an earthly nation, we have to argue based on natural law. We have to argue based on principles. We can't say, well, America has to do this because it's in the Bible. The founders didn't even do that. They recognized our essential liberties because we were created by God. But then when they argued law, it was based on God's ways are best. Let's show the world these ways are best. So as a follower of Jesus, I'm absolutely pro-life. When I talk to my non-believing neighbor about why we should be pro-life, I want to make an argument that that person can understand as opposed to "well, the Bible says. What if it's a Muslim? What if it's a traditional Jew or an atheist? well, that doesn't have authority to them. So what I need to do is bring my argument in a way that shows God's ways are best. And when we align ourselves with him, we will be blessed as a nation. But once again, the simple thing is the merging of Christian identity with American identity when the two become one. When saying the pledge, becomes just as sacred as worshiping the Lord. When, as General Mike Flynn recently said, with all respect to him, that preachers should preach from the Constitution as much as they preach from the Bible, that is really misguided rhetoric. Yeah,
1: and, and, you know, it's interesting because when you see some of these complaints uh, in that third group, right, you know, that when you see secularists or people on the left sort of talk about this issue, you know, people are like incensed that Christians, that there are Christians who want to see a world that reflects their values let's let's word it that way and you know without getting into all the specifics here it seems like every group wants that though right the atheists are complaining because they want politicians who reflect their values muslims jewish i mean everybody at the end of the day everybody is essentially even if you don't have belief advocating for policies and politicians who reflect their values Why is it, in light of the fact we know this is an issue, obviously, it is an issue within the church, but why is it that it's only Christian nationalism? Why isn't there atheistic nationalism? Why is it only that that the secular media talk about?
2: Right. So there are a couple of reasons. One, the secular media is secular. They don't have the spiritual perspective they do. They differ with our values. They often reject biblical values. So we are the evil enemy, and we're going to be caricatured. Some of it is irresponsible journalism. Uh, some of it is simply not understanding. Some of it is that we are a threat. Uh, the fact is, all we're saying is we want to use the political system like everybody else. We want to be salt. We want to be light. We want to be involved. We want to cast our vote. We get a vote. And if we get our person elected and they share our values, then great. They can be pro-life where they can advocate for family values that we stand for. The other side of it is that there is a lot of irresponsible rhetoric by Christian leaders and Christian political leaders that talk about taking over, that talk about dominion, that use those words over and over again, so it gives fuel to the fire of the critics. That's what I want to avoid. Hate me for Jesus. Hate me for my biblical values. Hate me for preaching what I believe to be true and right. But don't hate me because of my irresponsible rhetoric, because I'm unhinged, because I'm not careful in the words that I speak. That was Dr. Michael Brown. You can find out
1: more about what he has to say on faith in politics. The new book is The Political Seduction of the Church.
0: All right, Billy, thank you so much for that conversation. And that leaves us with time for one last thing. And this is a story where someone was basically swindled out of thousands of dollars In relation to some landscaping work, but that's not where the story ends, thankfully.
1: Yeah, this is a story out of Colorado. The guy's name is John Frank. He's a disabled veteran. He's in a wheelchair. And the reason that matters is he couldn't take care of his lawn. So he was looking for somebody to help him put stone down to make lawn care easier. Gave the guy almost $5,000, signed a contract. And after he paid, the guy disappeared and he lost his almost $5,000. And the local news covered this. And it was so amazing. They covered it. And another local company, landscaping company, saw this and ended up reaching out and they did $17,000 of work for free on this man's yard to make up for what this other person did. And the guy was in tears with gratitude, just a really uplifting story.
0: Well, first of all, phenomenal for this company to step up And those are always win-wins, I think, for these companies because, one, they get good publicity out of it, too, for helping. And I'm sure they just wanted to help because who wouldn't be offended by this? You just think of the evil that lurks out there to where you're willing to steal from someone in a wheelchair who's trying to get some help. I mean, it just seems like there's a new low every single day out there. Yeah, you know, I think as Christians, this is a good reminder for us. Not that this is a specifically Christian story, but right. uh, I think it's a fantastic reminder that as believers, our job is to stand in the gap for people, right? So when somebody does something wrong or when when the you know, sin just comes in and invades somebody's space and uh ha, ha, you know, has has created a vacuum. That's an opportunity for us as believers to step in and and fill that. And I hope that this will be an encouragement for us to to do that in our own lives. Yeah, absolutely. Fill in the gap. Be the hands and feet of Jesus where you can. And that's all we can do. You know, all this other stuff is arguing and it's good to iron sharpens iron. I get all that. But at the end of the day, let's love one another. Let's love people in Jesus name. And a whole lot of the problems in the world would be fixed if we did just that thing. So Lord willing in that creek, don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. Head on over to CBNnews.org and uh, Faithwire.com
2: for more news from a Christian perspective.